Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, out loud, chapter by chapter. We're continuing on in the book of Exodus, and we're looking at two chapters here uh, today and tomorrow, looking at 18 and 19, mostly going to be focusing on 18 today. It's a really it's a really interesting moment in Exodus because this is right before the Ten Commandments. Everyone's very familiar with Exodus 20 and those Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before you and all the rest. Uh, but this is what happens right beforehand, and it gets overlooked. I think there's a lot going on here uh, when Moses is talking to Jethro. It's not just practical wisdom of, hey, you need to outsource or delegate. Uh, there's, yeah, there, there's that, but there's there's a connection to what follows here. Some good stuff today. And joining us, we have a special guest in a little bit of a special format here. I'm actually sitting next to him in real life, flesh and blood here. And I don't even have to wear a mask because he's actually a member of my family. So look at that. That's just fantastic. We've got joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Alfonso O. Espinosa, senior pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Irvine, California. Also the author of so many books, but the most recent one being Faith That Sees Through the Culture. And then, um, I mean, the other one's like underway. Can I, am I allowed to talk about that yet? Or uh, We can mention the title at least. Okay. All right, so go ahead. And what's the title? Engagement Triangle, Faith That Engages the Culture. It's an effective sequel to the first book. Very good. It's all about engaging for the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Well, in- engagement, you know, that's, that's I, I mean, that's so important, I think, because we have a tendency, I think, sometimes, there's a temptation anyway, when you're kind of trying to be a, a bit of a purist and, and you're trying to be uh, maybe conservative in certain ways to not want to engage with the culture because you want to distance yourself and say like, oh, well, we have our, our, our good doctrine stuff, so let's just take our ball and go play over in this field over here. But uh, I mean, that you, you finally quickly find, right, that your theology starts falling apart when it's no longer in the real world and it starts kind of drifting off into imagination land. There's that. And now there's COVID-19 and all the social unrest that really tempts us to be isolated. But we can't be. We need to get out there. We need to find ways to connect to people while being safe and keep the engagement going to the glory of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, today, yeah, we're looking at Exodus 18 and 19. And you know, like I was saying, you know, there, there's there's all these chapters here in Exodus. And I guess, you know, we think of the plagues and then like, I guess we just skip over all these other chapters. Right. Like, uh, I, I mean, actually, you know, I just recently watched The Prince of Egypt with, with my four year old daughter. Right. And and actually in that movie, which is a fantastic movie, but they do just that. They cross the Red Sea. And the next thing you know, he's coming down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. <laughs> but like we shouldn't be skipping over 18 and 19 here. Right. <laughs> That's right. This is extremely important stuff. Whenever God reveals it, it means we are to learn it. Very good. Well, let's go ahead without any further ado and get started here. Uh, As we get started, would you go ahead and open us up with a prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this new day, this Tuesday, after the fourth Sunday after Pentecost and the third Sunday after Trinity, this very holy season, the season for your people to magnify the saving name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We praise your holy name that you have incorporated us into Jesus Christ in our holy baptisms. And now you raise us up by your grace through the word of God once again today to testify to the truth of the gospel. Bless our time together this day 
in thy strong word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get reading here. Um, let me see. We're, we're, I'm trying something different with the Facebook live stream, but we're going we're gonna to see if it works. So I'm going to click this button. And there's no going back now. All right, so we're going to go. Ahead, we're going to go ahead and read this here. Uh, we've got Exodus chapter 18, where we'll read the whole thing straight through. Um, anything that we should be keeping in mind, though, before we get started? Okay, I mentioned uh, Jeff. I feel like this is one of these where I don't know biblical leadership summits or something like that. This is where you get okay. You need to delegate, which is not bad advice. It's very, very good advice. Very helping, just that. Yes, indeed. It is more than just that. It's always more than just that. We don't we have that tendency to be pragmatic and overly practical about God's word, about A, B, and C, but there's there's much more to it, as you say. Can't wait to get into it. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and just let the chapter speak for itself here. So here's Exodus chapter 18 from the top in the English Standard Version. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for the and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, God of my father, was my help from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Wife and your two sons, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him, asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro, all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people and drilled to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Choir of me, and I decide between one and make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will selves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. 
citizens and let them judge the people at all times. Every great map is be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he'd said. Moses chose able men out of all the people and made them heads over of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. He judged the people at all times. Any heart brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Um, let's see. So hopefully the audio is is going to keep up for us. If not, we might have to let go of the Facebook stream today. Um, but, you know, it's interesting at this chapter. This is coming right after chapter uh, chapter. 17, where we saw that, you know, there were all right? We had, uh, you had Joshua, you had Hur. It wasn't just any one man. Moses was clearly seen as, I mean, not like able to to do everything by himself. I mean, not lift up his hands and keep them up long enough by himself. I mean, he needed help. Uh, we got hands. the throne of the Lord language, right? Chapter. Whereas here in chapter 18, uh, Moses sitting, right? That's what it says in verse 13, sitting in judgment from morning until evening. And so it's, it's an image, I think, speaking, being on a throne. So I, it's not simply that, oh, well, you know, Moses, you're going to get, you know, a ministry burnout you, you need. But this is yet another way that this is complementing the previous chapter and showing, hey, look, it's not really actually God. It actually everything that Moses was telling Jethro to begin with, that it was out of each other. What do, you, what, what do you think chapter 18, especially as it follows 17? Then it must, um, uh, the, the two go hand in hand, Saul on the road and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You persecute the church, you persecute Christ. Now, that concept where God is there, the people of God is um, gathered around the throne. It reminds me of the office of the ministry, right? You have bishops, you have presbyters, you have deacons. To properly know God and to receive his word is always in the context of the church, the church, the church. And I like to think of this in terms of uh, Moses as bishop. And God is saying, don't forget the body. The body is always there. You are never alone. Yes, you represent me on the judgment seat in the office, if you will. But the extension is the body of Christ every member of which is indispensable according to first Corinthians 12. Yeah. You know, and that, that body um, language, it makes me think too, especially about something that, uh, that was in, and we'll have to come and look at this in detail in the Hebrew here, but in verse 18, where Jethro says to Moses that he's not able to do it alone. um, It's, it's pretty interesting. The construction there that he says there, um, 
I, I mean, like, I'm trying, trying to think of like the, the way the way to put this here. It's like, um, you won't be able to do it by your hand is actually what you've got there. I mean, it's it's like this. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's like this idea of. I mean, I mean, it goes back to the staff. I think, right? Like, who who's really the one that? I mean, it, it's like I don't know. Your 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 part, your portion. I mean, there's there's even a a way of taking it as like as a, as like a pole or something like that. So I mean, it almost kind of evokes to me like the staff idea where it, it's not it's not Moses's staff. It's, it's God's staff, even though it's Moses who keeps being the one who stretches out his, um, his hand, it's really God's hand. That's the thing that's being stretched out. So, uh, amen to what you said, um, in, in this section, um, where Jethro gives the counsel and, and two basic things come out of it in terms of, of, of practical action. Uh, Moses is to instruct the people before God, uh, and he is also to appoint the, the able men who are properly qualified uh, to, to be extensions of his, of his ministry. But at the end of that, at, at, at verse 23, after he's given these two things for Moses to do, the, the ESV says, if you do this, Jethro talking to Moses, if you, do, if you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Well, uh, doing a little research here, um, the, the, the better translation is not, if you, do, if you do this, God will direct you, as if it's all on Moses again to, to be a good boy and do it right. It's rather, if God should preside over the execution of the plan proposed, if this is indeed God's uh. plan and God's will, if God is giving his blessing, then this will work. And, and so this is very much not even about an individual. If it is, and in, in, in the beginning of Jethro's counsel is, is this warning. If you get back to just being your, you know, sinful nature, which is all about self-idolatry, right? Me, myself, and I, you will fade away. You will, you will fade in such a way, and, and this word here is a, <laughs> a word that's quite dramatic, uh, like the grass withers, as the scriptures talk about in Psalm 37. By yourself, you can do nothing. You're going to wither away. But when God blesses it, then then this will happen to the glory of God. Yeah, that's really interesting. We're going to take a closer look at that when we get to that verse. But uh, yeah, I, I think that you know, just looking at the big picture, it, it is it is clear that um, it, it's not simply Moses getting advice. But I mean, re- really, again, from beginning to end, it, it's about identifying who's really in control and who's really the the leader, who's really directing it, whose hand is really the one that is stretched out even even as Moses is uh, doing it and, and in a sense is kind of the incarnation of God right I mean and it really is I mean it, it is a prefiguring of the incarnation that when God says to Moses hey, you'll you will be God to Pharaoh and then Aaron your prophet right? I mean it's incarnation language so I mean um, you, you do have that and we'll have to talk about you know more of that idea and, uh, and here's Moses sitting on a throne in judgment so there's yeah another side of the connections to be made. Luther had a, an interesting translation to that verse 19. Yeah. Now obey my voice I will give you advice and God be with you you shall represent the people before God. And and Luther said uh take charge of the people before God. Huh. <laughs> it's an extension of God's presence. Right, right, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, so I think I think beginning to end we we see it there. Let's let's um before we 
I mean, there's a lot of good stuff here in this in this part here. Like we're kind of gravitating towards closer to verse 20, but uh, let's let's kind of let's not put the cart before the horse here and take a look at some of these first verses here. So, okay, so we're looking at let's just look at the first couple of verses and let's talk about Jethro uh, because um, I mean we really haven't had Jethro. Um, I don't think this, this name has actually been mentioned in Exodus so far. Um, uh, and, and this is kind of one of the things that actually gets people is, hang on a second, who is this guy? Um, because, you know, he's described here as the priest of Midian. And he's described about, this is kind of an odd thing too, he's described about uh, 10 times here as Moses' father-in-law <laughs> throughout the chapter. So it's like, in case you keep forgetting who Jethro is, it's his father-in-law. Um, but uh, th that's kind of confusing because it seems in other places, like maybe somebody else is their father-in-law, like back in Exodus chapter 2, right, when uh, he rescues Zipporah uh, and her sisters, right, they go home to their father, Ruel. So who is uh, Jethro, um, and, and like what? What is the relation here, or, or you know, who is your daddy-in-law, and what does he do? Well, don't don't be surprised by the varying terminology. I mean, you've been—I'm sure you've been encountering this already in terms of Mount Sinai and Mount Horeb, right? Uh, the, there are names. Um, I'm sitting next to my son. Uh, he has other names which I won't mention to you on air. So there are always other. There are other always name. There are other names, but. Um, what is so important to me about this opening is that God keeps reminding us about his providential leading of Moses. For 40 years, he was in Egypt. So he's trained. He knows Egypt forwards and back. He knows how to speak to the culture in Egypt. Talk about an important engagement principle, by the way. There you you need to know your environment and your culture. Okay. Okay. Great but, plug. Right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> then the next 40 years, he goes out into Foreign territory, right? The priest of Midian. What, what, what does that represent? These are outsiders. These are unbelievers. These are polytheists. These are people who do not know Yahweh. Right. Okay? But God puts them out there in, in this wilderness for what? Again, the providential leading of God, so that when the time comes, not only can he go to Egypt, relating to Egypt, but he can take God's people out into the wilderness, knowing the wilderness. God led him to Jethro, the priest of Midian, to know about what had to be known for him to do his work. He blessed him through Jethro in more ways than one. It's referring to the same guy, uh, Exodus 2, Exodus chapter 18. But what really jumps out here is he's a priest. And I, I, when I see that word priest, I, I think of Melchizedek. Hmm. And, and, and this priest, this particular priest, <laughs> according to, to Exodus chapter 18, he comes to faith in the living God, Yahweh. And yeah. he sees that this Yahweh, he heard about his victories, and that and, and as for those gods in Egypt, he, he, he kicked their, you, you know what? And, and he is the true God. And now Moses will now honor his, his father-in-law, not only as father-in-law, but as a priest who will give sacrifice to the true God. That's Jethro. And he's blessed, and he becomes a blessing to Moses. He was also already a blessing to Moses because he was protecting his wife, and his two kids. Right. Moses had the foresight to um, to protect his family. Talk about a guardian. A father is to be a guardian, and he made sure that his wife and his two children would be safe with Jethro. 
I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people uh, take that and the understanding that, you know, I mean, if he's priest of Midian, this is a guy who has different titles, right? I mean, the same way that, you know, you're, you're reverend doctor, or, you know, you, you could say reverend, you could say pastor, you could say ordained minister, you'd say preacher, right? I mean, there's lots of different titles. And so I think a lot of people say like, well, hey, may, maybe Ruel or, um, you know, Jethro is a title or, or maybe the guy, you know, I mean, one of those is, you know, multiple names, right? You know, we, we very commonly have uh, one, two names, um, you know, my, my brother-in-law has something like 12 names, I feel like, you know, so I mean, it's like, yeah, I think a lot of people go in that direction. And another, another possibility to the uh, conundrum is that, you know, this word here, father-in-law, let me see if I can like find that word right there. Um, but so yeah, Jethro, uh, priest of Midian, and then, yeah, so you, you got this word here for father-in-law and, and, and the, and, and the thing, uh, the thing about it is like all these, all these terms, these like these uh, family terms. I mean, they're they're really, they're really flexible. Um, I mean, in fact, so like I just, I just pulled up like the like the dictionary entry here, right? And then the thing is, like you can see like the same set of consonants here. It's glossed as father-in-law. Scroll down, son-in-law, uh, brother-in-law. <laughs> uh, I mean, like the the, the thing is, the word um, kind of just means male in-law. So, I mean, I mean, really, I mean, I think this could literally refer to anyone in Zipporah's family mm. who's a male. So, yeah. I, I mean, like in a lot of ways, I mean, Z Zipporah, I mean, it, it could be that she just kind of comes from like this well-connected family. And, that you know, one of her, you know, uh, the male members of her family is the, the priest, right? One of them, I mean, we're going to see another one later. It actually is described, again, using this term, Moses's father-in-law. And so everyone's going to be like, what? He has three fathers-in-law? Like, well, I mean, it could be any of them. It could be his brother-in-law, could be, uh, you know, his, like his uncle-in-law. So I, I think that, you know, just in general, we see this throughout, that the terms in Hebrew are a lot more flexible when they come to family. And uh, you're really only seeing this as a contradiction if you're trying to force the matter from like a 21st Western perspective. Yeah, and I, that's, that's a great point. And because he was uh, in-law, I mean, the, the, the germ here, the, 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 the central core here is he's family. Yeah. And, and, and because he's family, I trust this man. I trust this, this man with my wife and with my kids. And I'm going to welcome him. And when I do... I'm coming out according to the uh, ancient uh, Middle Eastern ways. I'm going to bow before him. I'm going to show him respect and reverence because he's family, and I'm going to honor him, and I can trust him with my own family. Well, and that's really interesting that you bring up that point. I mean, I, I think that's right. That at the end of the day, he's he's family, and I, I think it really highlights. I mean, just just think about it, right? I mean, Jethro has. I mean, he's just come to this understanding of Yahweh, right? I mean, I mean, that's what he says, right? Like, well, now I know, it's in verse 11, right? Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. He didn't know that before, right? So, I mean, this isn't like a guy who's like, you know, been sanctified in the truth for, you know, decades, right? And yet, even, even with that, as you're saying, Moses goes and shows him all this, all this respect uh, with the kiss, the bow, um, and he goes and he listens to him and he trusts him. He trusted, he trusted him with his, his family. He trusts him now with his advice. And I think that that really speaks to us that, you know, I, I think that, uh, and, 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 you know, for everyone listening, you know, like you're, you're probably listening because perhaps maybe in your family, you might be one of the people who is a little bit 
uh, more proactive with digging into the scriptures and reading the Bible. And, you know, the, the temptation in that situation is you think to yourself, well, I really shouldn't listen to anyone else's advice because, I mean, they don't know more about the Bible than I do, or they don't know as much theology as I do, right? Or, you know, they, they, don't, they don't have as much experience as I do. And so I'm just going to try to take care of myself and figure out all my own problems because they're not going to have a good spiritual perspective. But hang on, look at this. God is using Jethro to take care of Moses and even Moses, right? The servant of God, the, you know, the, the man of God has to trust God by trusting the family that God has given him. We're, we're at time before our break here, but we'll talk more about this here. When we get back, everybody hang on, looking at Exodus 18 on thy strong word. We'll be right back. Tuesday, June 30th, 2020, KFUO Radio celebrates with our day sponsors, Bill and Mary Feffa of New Berlin, Illinois. Bill made a gift to KFUO in thanks and praise to our triune God for his many blessings, including the ministry of KFUO, and in honor of his wife, Mary, on her birthday today. William is thankful to the Lord for the blessing of having her in his life. Thank you, Bill and Mary Feffa, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. Have you ever wondered if your investments could do more? I mean, a whole lot more. This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. When you invest with us, you not only earn a competitive interest rate, but your investment goes to strengthen Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations through low-cost loans and services. To learn more, visit lcef.org backslash invest101. Touching the lives and the hearts of our listeners with the Word of Christ. Sharper Iron is such an incredible, amazing gift. I thank you so much for what it's doing for me and what I know it must be doing for a lot of other people. God bless. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 18 today, joined by a live guest here who's just sitting here right next to me. We've got the Reverend Dr. Alfonso O. Espinosa, pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Irvine, California. Uh, though he's not in Irvine, California right now. But but here we are. We're looking at Exodus chapter 18, this advice from Jethro. But I mean, I mean, really, we're seeing that it's it, it's about how this is not about Moses uh, is what we keep kind of seeing again and again. If you've got any questions for us here, because there, there really is a lot to this um, as, as we're seeing, you know, go ahead and give us a call if you're listening live, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Uh, also, you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. 
Uh, also want to make sure to thank our underwriters of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, their website, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word. I already had one question come in uh, over Facebook, although we still can't get the Facebook stream working here, but we'll get it, Lord willing, tomorrow. Um, so uh, the, the question is that, you know, the, the the text here says that Moses sent Zipporah away earlier, but um, it's <laughs> um, it, it sounds like Zipporah left on her own accord because we remember that that story. Um, Zipporah seemed a little upset with Moses, uh, putting it lightly, right? When um, they're as as I mentioned, it seems like their second son, um, Eliezer, uh, didn't get circumcised. So. Um, you know, so the question is sort of like, hey, you know, what's what, what's what's going on here exactly? Like, is is there kind of like some different perspectives of like kind of different feelings and like kind of who's who's kind of telling whose side of the story here? Um, I, I mean, it's an interesting question. Well, what what do you think? I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, we're we're about to launch, I think, to talk more about the um, the crucial nature of family. Um, but one of the reasons why the family is so important is because we learn to live with disagreements, with conflicts, with problems. Um, what good uh, marriage do you know of, uh, Pastor AJ, that doesn't have its fair share of challenges? Right. Yeah. But 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 why does God permit that? He permits it so that we would learn forgiveness and truly live in love. So, yeah. Yeah. Look, Moses and Zipporah were not the perfect couple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, surprise, surprise. Yeah. But but Moses, remember, never confuse meekness with weakness. Right. Hmm. He was extremely humble. But the man was a leader and he was unafraid. And we're saying right now it wasn't all about Moses. But guess what? Moses, by the grace of God, grace of God, knew that it wasn't about himself. <laughs> right. And we see this over and over again. So I, I you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with what I was pointed out. I think it's a great thing. It just reminds us of how families work. But Moses was was being the head of his family, just as he's being the head of Israel under God's care right now. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that's um, that's well said. That you know, I think it's it's not, I, yeah, it's not unwarranted to look at the text and say, yeah. Um, there, there was a little uh, more than a little bit of a disagreement between them. I mean, I mean, just just look at the language, right? You know, I mean, like, well, you're a gri you're a bridegroom of blood to me, right? Um, that we had back then. Um, I, I think though that there actually is, um, you know, besides that though, I don't think there's actually a contradiction here uh, between the two accounts, and it's particularly when you look at the Hebrew word for uh, Moses, it says you're sending her home, okay? Because it doesn't quite say that. Uh, the word there in Hebrew is actually from the same root uh, that Pharaoh is getting um, solicited. I mean, when 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 Moses goes before Pharaoh and says, um, you know, let my people go, right? He's not actually saying liberate my people. He's not saying, you know, uh, you know, let you know, free them and let them no longer be slaves, right? He's saying give them permission to go, give them leave to go worship God in the wilderness. Well, because again, like they're going to take a three-day journey and worship God for some time, right? right? So give them permission to do this. And so that same root here, um, the root in Hebrew is shalach. It's the same form here. So it's actually shiluhecha. And so that that means or can mean gave, uh, gave her permission to go or uh, basically told her yes or granted her request to go. So, I mean, it actually would, like, if you wanted to read it as, like, Zipporah is upset with Moses, 
and is like, you know, hey, you almost got us killed because you weren't obeying God and didn't circumcise your son. Now you're going to go and do this with Pharaoh. I'm scared of what's going to happen. I think it'd be safer if I went back with my family. And then Moses actually said, yes. I mean, that, that's not incompatible with the text. Amen. Uh, absolutely. And as we continue to look at this first part with Jethro, he is actually he is actually giving Moses an example, a living example of the counsel that is still yet to come, as as he is um, interacting with Moses. Moses gives testimony to how God delivered um, Israel, and that word, by the way, is a very important word because it's a gospel word. Uh, this word "deliver" and it, it means to rescue and to save, and it reminds us of what is recorded in Colossians one thirteen. To bring it into our time, New Testament, He has delivered. He, our Lord Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Right, and so. Moses gives this testimony to Jethro. What does Jethro do? He reminds Moses of, of, of their fellowship. And, and Jethro starts to praise God. He's praising God in such a way as he uses this word, um, Barak, right? Yeah. To, to bestow a, a, this thanks and praise to God, like Psalm 34, 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What's already happening is we're seeing that there's supposed to be um, this fellowship, this leaning on each other. And this is already happening. Moses is being reminded of how important the body is and how important Jethro is. He has blessed him by caring for his family. He has blessed him and now sharing common testimony about Yahweh. He has blessed him in giving sacrifice as he will give sacrifice. So he's giving this living testimony of this example of this interconnectedness and this fellowship and helping each other before he goes to the council for the same. Yeah, and that is really interesting just how, I mean, yeah, I mean, he does say that it's, you know, that this term that is used in the Psalms, I mean, like, you know, word for word, right, this, you know, Baruch Yahweh, I mean, that's, I mean, Dave, David says the same thing in the Psalms, like, you know, that, that same phrase, and that's, that's just really interesting, because, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know, when you, when you read the story here, right, at the end, and I, I know I'm trying not to skip to the end, but, um, you know, at, at the end there, it says, then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country, right, I mean, so he he doesn't go with them um, up to the promised land. Um, and yet he has faith in Yahweh, the true God. So, I mean, that, that's just really interesting just to think about that, that, you know, I mean, how many people were there who uh, believed and had this faith, right? But they, they weren't even necessarily in Israel and they weren't necessarily in the land of Canaan. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I mean, here, at least we've got one example. Yeah, absolutely. And um, going back to your point before about family, yeah, uh, how important it is to to learn precisely what you were saying before. We need each other, and we teach each other. Um, I, I'm sitting here next to to you, and I, I had the privilege of raising you and teaching you for years and years. And now you bless me in your ministry towards me. You you encourage me. You give me insights that I've never had before. It's it's a beautiful plan that God has put in place for families. And one of the things that comes out in terms of how the family helps each other is they give testimony to God. The best counsel we can give as mothers and fathers and husbands and wives and children to parents and parents to children, especially after our children grow up and they can give counsel to parents, is to get back to testifying to the Word of God. And Jethro says something very interesting after Moses gives testimony to the deliverance that Yahweh gave to the people of Israel. 
it is Jethro who says at verse 11, as we're moving along here in the text, now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. And and that's the reference that takes us back to Exodus 15, verse 9. The enemy said, listen to this, because the word I will appears four times in this verse. In Exodus 15, 9, the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My, di- my desire shall have its full of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. This self-centeredness, this This I, I, I is the exact opposite of church and body and fellowship and knowing strength one from another in the body of Christ. So, yeah, uh, Jethro is testimony to Moses before he gives them the practical counsel. We need each other and we praise God together and we encourage one another. Yeah, it really is something how there there is uh, this big difference how I mean. When, when when he's engaged with Pharaoh and he's, and he's you know, in, in this back and forth negotiation, I mean, it's just Pharaoh for all of Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you know, his advisors are saying, hey, um, why don't we like listen to this guy? You know, and his magicians are saying, this is the finger of God. Uh, and, and everyone else around him is starting to say, we don't know about this, right? Um, but but it's all just Pharaoh, right? It doesn't matter. It's just Pharaoh's way or the highway. It's just it's just him, you know, there, there, but but here, no no one in God's people gets to be like that. In fact, they in some ways even have to be rescued by, well, I mean, by foreigners. I mean, isn't this like even the second time in some ways that Moses has been rescued by a foreigner? Like back when he was a baby, back in chapter two, right? He's rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, right? right. And, and here he's rescued by um, one of his male in-laws, who's a, you know a priest of these uh, uh, Midianites, Midianites who. I mean, like, like he says, didn't know Yahweh before this. That's right. So, I mean, isn't, isn't that something that, I mean, and of course the same pattern is just going to keep on continuing, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, eventually God's people are going to be rescued by Cyrus of Persia. And it, it is, it's going to go on and on and on that uh, God's people never get to be in the position of like Pharaoh, where they say, it's all about me and I am self-sufficient. And it's just, it's all, it, it, you know, that, that's all that matters. So, I mean, it's uh yeah, no, I mean, family in that way is uh, is humbling, right? That it's uh, kind of the, the the constant reminder that uh, we really are not self-sufficient. And boy, do we need that reminder uh, because what everything you just said about Pharaoh is about the sinful nature in each of us. <laughs> it, it, it is my will, uh, it's my way or the highway, as you put it. And uh, what, what, it's so refreshing to hear you say that because that's why we get back to our baptism to crucify our Pharaoh within. Uh, amen. Well, okay. So we were we were kind of let's make sure that we we actually treat all the text here. So, I mean, so we're we're talking about um, you know what Jethro says. You know, blessed be the Lord. I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. And, and it's interesting you met, we kind of highlighted this this arrogance, the arrogance of Pharaoh. Um, I mean, that does tie in well, even in fact, with like what we were reading before of like the, the heavy, the heaviness or this, the strength of his heart, right? It's, it's because he's arrogant. He's digging in his heels, right? right? He's too proud to change his mind or to change course or to admit that he was wrong at the outset. Um, you know, and, and then we get, uh, you know, very interesting. He actually offers these sacrifices. 
um, you get a mention of um, Aaron there. So, so I mean, that that's actually pretty interesting, too, that Aaron and the elders even are with Moses' father-in-law, right? So it's not like as if Moses is saying, like, okay, well, here's my pagan father-in-law. I'm going to kind of hide him in the corner because I'm not, not proud of that. But, I mean, like, even, even you know, Aaron, who's going to be the high priest, and the elders are all, um, I mean, brought in on that. So, I mean, that, that's interesting how, you, I don't know, just, just a cool little moment, I think, where family of God and natural family end up overlapping, right? I mean, like, we're, we're, we're not just saying, like, oh, well, Jethro, my, my real family are, are the Israelites, you know, who, you know, have their theology down, right? I mean, like, there's, there's nothing like that. And there's, and there's no shame here on Moses's part. And when we see these come together in harmony, boy, we are really blessed when, when we can enjoy these um, estates come together, right? Um, we all know about the governmental estate, political estate, but also remember, um, in my opinion, um, especially for nowadays that we're living in, uh, the church and the family. And the family is like the little church within the big church. And they are to coalesce. We are to raise up our children in the Lord. We are to bring them up to know Christ and to worship with us. This is what all Christian parents, of course, desire. But we know that Moses can take this next step of going from, quote unquote, just family to now the family of God. He can take that next step with clarity and to have Aaron and the other elders present. Why? Because at verse 11, Jethro is giving testimony. It's a testimony of faith where he says he knows, he knows now that God is greater than all gods. That is a statement of faith. And what does that mean? We are now not only, quote, just family, but we are now brothers in the Lord. We speak the same lingo. We share the same faith. So Moses accepts his sacrifice, which is one of the faith where all of the family of God should participate. Amen. So, so then we, then we get this next section, I think. Um, and, and the Hebrew text even kind of marks it off as a new section, kind of, there's a, this little construction that sort of uh, like, like has this sense of like, okay, so, so some time passed and then, and this is what happened later. Um, and, and you get this, you know, him sitting down to judge the people. And, and this is actually pretty interesting because this is presented to us in summary here, but I think it's kind of saying a lot, um, you know, be, because, you know, when, when, when then Jethro then goes and asks him about this, like, hey, what are you doing? I mean, what, what's he say there, like in, in verse 15, that, you know, the people are coming to me to inquire of God. And when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. I mean, this is interesting because, I mean, we've, we've talked about this, how there hasn't been a whole lot of explicit teaching given in, in these chapters in Exodus here, right? I mean, like, you know, uh, the, the festival of unleavened bread is described as like a seven-day thing. Um, and then they, they are supposed to be gathering the, the manna in, in, in the wilderness for six days, and they rest on the seventh, right? But they haven't even gotten like the the the, the, the full unpacking of, uh, the, the Sabbath that we get in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. Um, and in the same way, right, um, you, you haven't had any mention of, you know, God creating the world in six days and resting on the seventh and, until Exodus 20. Um, however, we, we actually know in this chapter that Moses is there teaching them the things of God. So, 
uh, it, it's just interesting because like when this all is going to hit us in Exodus 20, it's not to say that that's actually going to be the first time that they've heard all this stuff, that he's actually been doing this with them ever since he became their leader. Fantastically important point. We do have some indication of some uh, God-revealed instruction rules in chapter 12 of Exodus and chapter 15, 25 to 26. However, the greater point is what you are alluding to. Remember, people of God, this Moses is the prophet who received the revelation from God to write the Pentateuch. This is a guy that God has been communicating with all along. He has received insight and revelation that we don't even fully appreciate from our standpoint in reading these things chronologically. Mm-hmm. So he's in the know already because he's a prophet of God. This is this is the same one that God spoke to. Of course, we read later about face to face, right? Mm-hmm. But he had already experienced revelation straight from God. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just interesting how you have these little indications in the text for just like you're saying, we, we, we don't fully appreciate exactly what kind of relationship that is. We were given kind of little glimpses into that communication back and forth, yeah. but we don't we don't have full transcripts. And and what that really reminds me of is, is the Lord Jesus himself, how, you know, in Luke, we get this little snapshot into like what that prayer life of the son was with the father. You know, you get this one little prayer. But but we know th- from the other Gospels that he's always going off on his own, sometimes for, I mean, just hours or days at a time to talk to God. And who knows all what was said? You know, I mean, so, I mean, that really should just humble us to say, you know, hey, we're looking at the text and, hey, they, they shouldn't have known that yet. Or, hey, that's a, you know, maybe that came from later or this doesn't make any sense. And it's like, well, guys, I mean. We have enough of the story so that we can follow the storyline here, right. but it's not as if like we, we have just, you know, word for word, everything that's said, and these relationships are deeper than we appreciate. Absolutely. Amen. So, so uh, you know, the other interesting thing here uh, about this um, sitting down for judgment, right? There, there's this word here, you know, he, so he sits down um, to to judge the people. Um, and, and and literally, that's what it says. Like it's like he he assumes this position. He takes his seat. Is is maybe a good way of translating it? Actually, he takes his seat to judge the people. So there's this there's this you know like a judge, right? It's like the judge walks into the room and they take their seat there at that bench, right? right? And it's like when they, when he comes in, everyone stands up, right? Everyone else is standing. That's right. And then when he sits down, it's like okay, we're in session, right? And that's in fact where the word comes from. Session, yep. right? Comes from the word for sitting, right? Uh, and, and so it's really interesting then how um, he has this authority. Um, you know, he's he's the prophet, but we shouldn't think that it's just like, oh, he kind of like, you know, has these visions or it's like, hey, Moses, uh, you got a forecast for us today? No. Um, but there is this this kingliness about the way that he that we the way he sits down. And I, I mean, and in that respect, it really does make me think of the Lord Jesus, how, you know, in what we were already kind of forecasting at the beginning of the hour that. You know, the the language used of Moses is incarnational. This idea, like you just mentioned a little bit ago, that, you know, God says hey, w- with him, with Moses, I speak face to face. And in fact, the word that God uses there, um, I think this is in numbers, if I recall, like when um, Aaron and Miriam are challenging his authority, uh, it, it, the word's kind of like as equals, you know, like, like, like fellow, like men, right? Like the idea is like, um, like almost like family members. Yeah. I, I mean, and that really is something in the way that this points ahead then to the Lord Jesus, who has this totally unique relationship with God, speaking to him face to face, 
depths of the relationship will never fully appreciate. And he does sit down in judgment to, to rule and to guide, um, to reconcile the disputes, to teach his people. In this respect, uh, Moses truly is a type of Christ, isn't he? Yeah. And, and if this is consistent with um, the prophecy that God would raise up one like Moses yep. pointing to Christ. That's right. And, 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 and just as, as Mo- Moses is a prophet, in this sense that you're describing, he's, he's a king. Yeah. And a king sits on the throne and makes judgment for the people. Right. Um, this, this is startling, but when you were describing the face-to-face part, I started to get chills because, uh, people of God listening in, this is what the Lord promises for you. The day is coming when you will meet Christ face to face in glory. Isn't that exciting? Well, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's exciting. It's, I mean, I think I think it's just more than we can we can take in here. And like you can sympathize with the people because we're going to see in chapter 20 um, that they're going to say, OK, Moses, you can keep talking to God. We're going to stand back over here because right. we don't want to get any closer and die. Um, you know, so, you know, uh, <laughs> there's a there's a there's a twofold emotional reaction to the prospect of being face to face with God. Um, and and uh I mean, and just to think, you know, that it must have been something kind of overwhelming even to Moses, because, um, of course, when we were going to get there later that, you know, he has these conversations with God. He just didn't even realize uh, what what's happening to him, that his face starts shining and all the rest. But, yeah. um, you know, so it, you, you can kind of uh, you can kind of sympathize with Moses here that he's just so enraptured with the things of God and speaking to God that he's he's not thinking about even taking care of himself. Right. And, and you And you do get. I mean, I mean, he's so focused on, you know, taking care of the people, these people, they need me. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's his concern, right. You know, like uh, he, he's focusing on these people, they, they need to know this stuff. Right. So he's, he's focused on the people selflessly, but I mean, Jethro is just right on like, Hey, you know, you're not going to keep serving the people if you wear yourself out or like you were saying, like, you know, it's like, I kind of like fade away. Yeah. And, 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 and see the, the interconnect connectedness again, we have to the church at verse 18, uh, Jethro says you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. Not just Moses <laughs> will be worn out. The people will be worn out. Yeah. Just imagine Moses trying to take on too much. And there's this super long line and uh, we've seen long lines, you know, some of the stores with, with some of the shortages of supplies. Well, think of a much, much longer line than, than that. <laughs> and, and, and if they can't be, if they can't reach Moses, what's going to happen? They're going to start taking matters into their own hands. Yeah. They're going to bring out their little pharaohs and themselves. They will wear themselves out. So, Remember, um, what happens, what is happening in the life of your pastor has impact on the congregation and the congregation impact on the pastor. And that's just one little example. Uh, Go to the family, right? What is happening to the mom impacts the whole family, right? So this is a both and, not an either or. Both will be worn out if Moses does not take heed of this counsel. Yeah, and and more than that, you mentioned Pharaoh, um, I mean, Moses would be like Pharaoh if he didn't take this advice, right? I mean, like, and that, isn't that interesting, like, what he says there, that the thing is too heavy for you, it says, right? Yeah. And again, that's that's literally the word um, that, that was used for Pharaoh's heart, that mm. his heart was heavy. Oh. Uh, and we also know that, like, heavy, this heavy root here, uh, you know, 
kaved or kavod is the word that's used of glory, like, you know, God's glory. Mm, So, I mean, in in some ways, it's like saying, hey, Moses, this is too big for your britches here. (laughs) This is too glorious for you. Only God is the sole judge of all of his people. Um, But that's the thing. You know, uh, Pharaoh in his own heart says, no. I am glorious. I, I, you know, his heart is heavy. It is full of his own glory, right? And that's the, the, the arrogant bit. So Moses would be arrogant to say, no, Jethro, I've got this. I know what's best, right? I mean, and, and this is this is so challenging, I think. And this is just something, it's something challenging for me because you, you go and you, you know, you're in a leadership position, right? And, and you say to yourself, you know, like, but I'm the one with all the training and I'm the one who's talking to God face to face and all this, right? And, right? and if someone else does this, they're not going to do as good a job as I am, That's right. right? And it's just that there, there it is. It seems plausible, but it's this way that this arrogance creeps yep. in and, and it really becomes like about our own glory, even when we think think that it's about taking care of people and being selfless, right? I mean, isn't this crazy? Like Moses seems to be so selfless here, but the truth is he's, he's fading into arrogance. Always. And, and, and what is the antidote towards that self-centeredness and arrogance? It's family. Get back to the family. So even when Moses uses some of his past experience in knowing the Egyptians from his past life and, and kind of goes into a militaristic mode yeah. in separating the people, right. it is entirely connected to the family, the heads of the tribes, right. the heads of the family. Right. It comes back to say, it's God's way of saying, I have created you to be in family. And if you are properly in family, your arrogance is going to be put down. I'm I'm giving you away by my grace to bury the old Adam as you get into the life of your little babies, uh, the youngest of which you're still changing her diaper. <laughs> the oldest, I mean, I see her in you're 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 conducting the family altar and in, in teaching your children the, the holy catechism. What does that do for them? Well, all kinds of great things, but what is it doing for you? Yeah. As the head of your house is keeping your eyes on Christ. God's antidote for our arrogance for our pharaohs is the family. Well, and, and that's really why, again, like this is all foreshadowing Christ in the way that he comes as as judge, as king, to sit down um, to, uh, at the right hand of God and also to come as our brother, Amen. becoming one of us. He makes himself our family because family is the antidote for our pharaoh-like arrogance thank you so much hey we've got uh, the reverend dr espinosa on tomorrow as well looking at exodus chapter 19 until then everybody i'm pastor aj espinosa god's peace be with you you've been listening to thy strong word produced by the lutheran church missouri senate office of national mission in cooperation with worldwide kfuo the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.